0: You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by Xeromo, a non-profit initiative helping transition to battery-powered lawn and gardening equipment and electric vehicles using 100% renewable energy.
1: Hello and welcome to the Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of the Driven website and Renew Economy. Today is something quite different. This week and the last week we've seen the launch of the Hyundai Ionic range of electric vehicles. This is notable for a couple of things. One, it is the first full range that provides pretty much the same vehicle in a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid and a full electric model secondly it's also noticeable because it is the first full electric vehicle to be offered with decent range at under fifty thousand dollars australian in australia so will that pick up the market will that get the finally wake up the electric vehicle industry that has been largely dormant in australia apart from a couple of refits and of course tesla and perhaps the bmw i3 well this week Hyundai invited a whole bunch of um, auto journalists to come and hear the presentation and test drive the cars in and around Brisbane. And um, we got to drive, well, what you'll hear first is a, um, a test drive between myself and David Brown. I'll introduce David Brown in a second. And I also get to speak to Scott Nagar. He's the head of mobility of Hyundai and um, a pretty interesting interview we have there about Hyundai's plan in the future. And we also stopped off at the site of Tritium, which is the Brisbane based charge um, charging manufacturer, electric vehicle charging station manufacturer, who are very, very small, but are already getting a steal on the international market and um, some fascinating insights there. But that will be for another day. What I want to do now is to introduce you to our first part of the driving phase. We went out through the western suburbs of Brisbane and up into the hills nearby to Mount Noble, a hundred and three kilometre test drive and I was with David Brown, and he's a motoring expert and auto industry commentator. He comes um, from Driven Media, and I should point out that there is actually no relation between Driven Media and the Driven website and the Driven podcast. But David's a bit of an old hand at this, and um, I was absolutely delighted to be sharing driving duties with him. And here we are, out in the western suburbs, going into the hills with David.
0: Continue on. 900
1: and we've just got an instruction from the uh, from the navigating woman, um, David. What's your initial, initial impressions of it?
2: Oh, it's a good car. I think what they're trying to say is that it's not a cheap and nasty electric vehicle. The Koreans don't like the word cheap at all. Understandably, it's not even just uh, value for money because that may indicate that it's not got the features that others may have. It's, so it's it's a case of it having a, a, you know, a good electric car with a lot of features at a very competitive price.
1: We've just been talking about the fact that it actually just seems like a very normal car. Um, and I guess that's part of the trick of what they're trying to do here, is actually make electric cars just feel like normal.
2: Yeah, when we sat in it the first time, we both reacted, I think, to say, well, it looked pretty normal to me. Yes. It's not as though we're trying to make a huge statement it's interesting with electric vehicles whether it might be the opportunity to change the shape of cars yet you only can move as the customers are prepared to take change and to look different so this one looks a very traditional sort of hatchbacky sort of car
1: yeah that's right yes and 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 even to the point if you think about the teslas and they've created a lot of space under the bonnet because they put they've packed the electric motor underneath but here because they're actually doing a range of a hybrid a plug-in hybrid and a full electric they haven't gone that far in fact what they've what they've done is is basically sort of you still got a motor under the bonnet so nothing much changes there but let's just talk about what we do experience which is different and i guess there's two things that uh, we notice here One is about the regenerative braking, and you've actually just um, slowed down there, and and something called an adaptive cruise control, what what are we talking about here?
2: Well, the regenerative braking, the great thing is that if you uh, use the electric motor to turn into a generator to slow the vehicle down, it puts resistance, but of course it gives you a bit of charge back, it gives you a chance to recoup some of that energy but the thing about it is, that if you have it on the higher setting, as soon as you pull your uh, foot off the accelerator, it doesn't coast like a normal car might. It really does slow down. It's like putting your foot partially on the yeah. brake.
1: It really does grab it, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and you really have to get used to that. I just backed off there and whoosh, you know, the car behind me suddenly closes up rather quickly. Now that's great from a regenerative energy efficiency point of view, but it is something you have to get used to. Adaptive cruise control, which is available on a lot of other cars now, what happens then with this electric vehicle is that instead of regenerating braking excessively, what you might feel is excessively, it will say, well, hang on, I won't slow you down quite as much because the distance to the car ahead of you is still acceptable
1: so it's combining those three aspects of basically radar control and sort of um uh, you know what's around it plus the regenerative braking and the traditional sort of cruise adaptive cruise control so it does actually bring you gently to a stop um that's a bit of mind over matter though isn't it because um we, we, at least I like to be in control of my braking but um, <laughs> here we are handing it to a machine.
2: <laughs> well adaptive cruise control used to be mainly just on the motorway where you were, had a vehicle going there. This will now bring you to a complete stop. So in a city I don't have to touch the brakes. We're coming up now to a uh, stoplight. I haven't touched anything. The car ahead of me, which is another Ionic, has stopped, and now I've just come to a complete stop. Now you have to have an element of faith to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I guess it's interesting that we've only been in the car for about half an hour, so maybe by the time we finished our drive in two hours' time, we have that element of faith. But but we must have had it partially because we've actually come to a stop and uh, we haven't bumped into the uh, test car in front of us. So... um, Yes, look, interesting stuff. How quickly do you think this is going to take off, David, and at what price point?
2: Well, this is still quite expensive relative for this type of vehicle. You're talking about forty-six dollars to $49,000 plus on roads for... What is an Elantra-sized vehicle? A a good usable-sized vehicle, but that's still quite a price premium for it. The the thing is, of course, you you will hopefully save a lot of money on fuel. It's one that I think in the short term is uh, more people that have a little bit of belief in this. This was the whole principle of the Prius, you know, that it became another word that people think for the Prius might be the pious that I you know I'm feeling that I'm doing something good but nonetheless I think it will adapt but one of the biggest pushes to to adapting electric vehicles for a a very wide thing will be government policy where you may get benefits for being able to use a bus lane for example we don't have that now but it may happen or you won't be able to drive into certain areas unless you have an electric vehicle. These policy directions, <laughs> now you see, I touch the brakes, lack of faith. Yes. <laughs> Forgive my lack of faith. <laughs> but, but of course, as soon as I touched the brake, it turned off the uh, cruise control. Right. And so therefore, it then got a little coast to the car ahead of and you heard the beep. Oh, the beep yeah. David, thank you very much for that. My pleasure.
1: So look, it's my turn in the driver's seat now and I've been going for about 15, 20 minutes and um, I've got to say, I'm really quite impressed with it. It's um, I, uh, We've moved out of echo mode and we're into sports mode and we're driving along a winding, windy country lane, I suppose is the best way to describe it. I've got it in sports mode. I've got it on regen three, which means as uh, David was talking before, when you pull your foot off the accelerator it sort of slows down there's a real grip and a a drag but i kind of like it it's sort of you sort of kind of feel in control um it's really interesting and 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 david just sort of occurs to me then we can kind of just set the car for whatever your driving preference is really
2: so you've got a adaptability you've got three modes to choose and how much regenerative braking it's quite adaptable
1: it is isn't it yeah sorry
2: we've got the navigation
1: person just sort of telling us what to do i think i'm turning left aren't i Uh,
2: you're coming up to it everyone wants to hog the microphone that's (laughs) here we come up now it's basically follow the main road oh okay does it steers well for you? You you feel comfortable driving it? Oh, I'm feeling very comfortable.
1: Look, it, it it um I've been driving for the last ten years a um a two o seven Peugeot, and that's a zippy little car, and um, you know it's got good grip. It's got good acceleration, and you kind of feel like you're driving something. I like that feeling, and I'm getting the feeling with this. I mean, this just looks like a you know just a pretty average. Family sort of car, but when you're driving in this mode, it kind of I'm getting the same feeling that I did from from that Peugeot. In sports mode, the acceleration is great. It's not Tesla-ish, but it's good, and I like the regen feeling, and I like the grip on the road. I mean, because we've got batteries, we do have a slightly lower sense of center of gravity, and um, yeah feeling good and I'm feeling safe. How do you find the noise level? Oh, it's beautiful. We were just talking before, weren't we, about being able to hear the birds when we had the windows down, driving car and also hearing the birds. And um, it's fine. Look, for sure you get road noise. And um, if anyone remembers the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago with Nick Lake and that beautifully converted uh, VW Beetle, well, you just couldn't disguise the road noise there. It was just like an absolute clatter, but that's what happens with a 64 Beetle. But here we do have some road noise. But what's your um, what's your impression, David? I mean, you did make the comment before. It's not muffled like you might expect in a luxury vehicle, but it's pretty minimal, and you just don't get you don't get you don't get the engine noise. I mean, there is no.
2: Well, that's the point. It doesn't uh, give you engine noise, and so the road noise is the noise, and so you're more comfortable uh, conscious of it, and.
1: Yeah, that's right. And the other thing that you mentioned too is that it's a slightly different driving experience in the sense that lots of people might have been used to the revolutions and the sound of the engine noise when they're driving and use that as a bit of a guide to to what they're doing, what gears they're using and how they're driving on the roads. I guess that experience might have been diminished with a greater increase in automatic driving, um, you know, modern engines which are quieter and possibly maybe people now because they've got so much noise and other things when they're driving but um, what do you make of it?
2: Well I have children so. (laughs) (laughs) But you're quite right that the car now is much more muffled, the gearboxes are much quieter and in fact if you have a CVT, continually variable transmission, the relationship between the engine revs and your speed is not fixed by any means. So we've got a less of a mechanical feel I think to cars, a mechanical interaction. Even if it was subtle just by sound we're not as close to that as we once were. We're in a box that we're basically just controlling.
1: And it makes me think that once the price gets to parity just by this, this is such a fun car to drive, that it's ICE equivalent or it's Petrol or diesel equivalent just wouldn't be for the same sort of car that it is, and it just sort of it just it it kind of reaffirms to me that um, once the price parity gets quite clear, then it's going to be a bit of a no-brainer. I think to um, actually actually turn electric. It's um, just the performance, the driving experience, and everything else that goes with it. The cost of running. And the fact that it is going to be so convenient to charge by yourself at home or through the various networks of things, um, yeah, I think
2: it's yeah. your mate that had the Volkswagen was the classic old style image, wasn't it, of the backyard mechanic who, you know, for the sake of uh, mechanical uh, interest and purity, developed the car. Whereas now we are having cars that, well, Tesla made electric cars sexy. Yes and and they perform incredibly well the electric engine is its most powerful at zero revs and so for takeoff which is why a hybrid works so well well works more efficiently and so now it is it is not the, the poor driver's alternative it is a mainstream alternative
1: yeah it's exactly right and i'm a bit embarrassed through this uh through this recording all the beeping going on which is the uh the car telling me i'm just sort of wandering all across the road i sort of must be think I'm just driving like a drunken sailor but um, anyway but um, look, really quite impressive and um, very strong overall impression Um, I think we're on our
2: way Well the point is that it has all the technology this is not a bare bones car this is not a car that you have compromised enormously for the powertrain but in fact it brings you benefits in many ways not just, oh well I'm saving money
1: exactly right and i guess the next thing we're going to see is cars adapted as we were talking before for the shape because we may not need um, to have a car that looks like this Um, we've got one now because there's a hybrid model version of this and a plug-in hybrid version of this and i can see them dropping the hybrid version pretty quickly and uh, maybe even the plug-in but we'll we'll see in the future and then as we get through greater autonomy um we're not going to be sitting in the seats necessarily is the way we are doing now
2: well the whole design of a car is what do you use it for how do you use it and what does the car mechanics need to for space and so on you're right we don't need a bonnet as much as we ever needed in the past but change that will be a consumer test as much as a technical test absolutely
1: well good we'll just leave it there for the moment
2: thank you And that was our driving test with
1: David Brown from Driven Media. Um, It was a fun thing to do and I got to have another drive of the EV later on uh, out towards uh, lunch lunch appointment in the eastern suburbs and David actually had a go at the plug-in hybrid vehicle Um, and we'll tell you more about that later on as well. Just at this point I do want to thank um, our sponsor for this podcast which is Zero Mo, um, a fantastic not-for-profit encouraging people to look at sort of farm and garden machinery which can be fully electric. Please do check out their website. Our next interview is with Scott Naga. He's the Head of Mobility with Hyundai. And I had lots of questions to ask him about Hyundai's plans for now and for the future. Scott, thanks for joining the Driven Podcast.
0: Good morning. How are you?
1: Yeah, great. Look, um... So tell me, the um, Hyundai. You've done an interesting thing here with the Ionic. You've actually come up with three different, um, three different options in a single range. You've got the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid, and the full electric. What's the thinking behind that?
0: Yeah, we wanted to give customers choice. It's the first um, footstep into the the low and zero emission market for Hyundai. So we know that. Some customers might not be able to go straight into an electric vehicle. They may not have off-street parking um, where they can actually power the car at home. They might not have um, public infrastructure around the area. So having the ability for customers to jump into a hybrid vehicle or a plug-in hybrid vehicle lets them start to the transition to that low-and-zero emission future now
1: and it 's interesting too, because um, by seeing the actual cost from the hybrid and the plug in hybrid and the full battery, um, I think the uh, plug, the hybrid starts at about thirty four thirty three thousand thirty four The full battery goes up to about forty five thousand Does that sort of more or less sort of reflect the actual cost of the battery because obviously with the small, with a hybrid it 's a very small battery gets big with a plug in hybrid and then quite a big battery with a full electric.
0: That's right. I mean, significantly a lot of the cost of the vehicle or cost of the um, the difference is the the battery, but also the different components used as well. So um, some of the different components for the car have different prices. Um, The size of some of the components are different, so it's going to reflect in the pricing.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting what you've been doing there. I mean, I had a, a, a test drive of the Hyundai Ioniq last week, and um, look, it's a, it's a great little car. It's um, like a lot of electrics, or nearly all, all all electrics, really. It's very responsive. It's got great acceleration. The handling is great. The extra weight in the car is great, and got interesting things with regenerative braking and various modes of various modes of driving. Um, what's interesting with what you guys are trying to do is trying to bring the electric back into the normal car, almost trying to make the electric driving normal. It's, a, it's, you know, it's just an average sedan, really, apart from the wonderful stuff underneath it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the, the key things, we, and working in and out of Korea, um, one of the, the, well, the feedback we do give to the, um, the designers is that the car can't look like an experiment. The last thing we want to do is turn people off the technology, building a car that's that's not attractive. So I think with the iNIC, they've done a great job. And if you look at any of the, the future low and zero emission vehicles that Hyundai's bringing out with the, the Kona next year and then the the Nexo fuel cell vehicle, they've done a great job with the design because um, you know we want people to get into these vehicles and it doesn't want to make a model. We want people to transition to low and zero emission vehicles from any manufacturer, but they've got to be attractive cars and, and people are going to be drawn to the vehicle because it looks great, but also because the technology's really delivering that low and zero-emission um, targets that we're after.
1: So the Hyundai Ionic is now available, um, f- I think, from next week. Um, what sort of response have you been getting so far from um, from customers or potential customers?
0: It's been a really good reaction. We've had the vehicle at a lot of different um, conferences and uh, EV drive days over the last year and a half, two years. Uh, and the response has been very positive, uh, especially the, the big drive days. We've had a lot of the fleet managers... From the big government and uh, big business um, companies, uh, and they got a chance to drive the vehicle. One of the recent drive days has been down at Albert Park, uh, where we had 80 fleet managers from the Victorian government. Um, it was an event hosted by the Victorian government and the Clean Energy Finance Corp, and they got to experience the cars in real-world conditions. So the, the Albert Park circuit's are a normal road the rest of the year when it's not an F1 circuit, and the fleet manager got to drive our vehicles and a number of other vehicles um, on, on closed-circuit conditions experience really what it's like to live with an EV?
1: Yeah, and um, and 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 can they get their mind across just the the different nature of the EV and particularly you know the refueling or the recharging?
0: Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest areas we've had to do the the most uh, education. It's it's almost a bit of a mindset change. Instead of planning to go to a service station once a week and fill your vehicle up when the the fuel prices are low, you've got the power now. You're you are the fuel company. You are the energy company. You can. Fill the car up whenever you want, so it's almost using your vehicle like you use a mobile phone. You plan to fill it up um, whenever you're at the shopping centre, when you're at home, when you're at work. Um, you're always topping your mobile phone up, and you're always topping your EV up as you're driving. But if you've got a home charger installed into your, your house, you can do that within a couple of hours um, at home. And with our vehicle, within a couple of presses of uh, buttons on the dash, you can use off-peak electricity, so planned to set your charging when your off-peak cuts in at night and have the vehicle charging to cut out when the off-peak is is switched off.
1: Mm. And so the Ionic is going to be available now um, from about mid-December, I think, in in, in, um, at least 18 dealerships around the country. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, 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 and then you've got the Kona. Go ahead, sorry.
0: 18 dealers around the country, and they're spread um, in areas where we know there's there's customers waiting for vehicles and where there's big... um, Fleet opportunities, so they've been strategically placed, and we'll start to roll out more and more dealers as we get more and more vehicles come in.
1: Terrific, and then you're following this up with the Kona, which is like an SUV um, compact SUV model, um, early next year, is that right?
0: That's correct, so uh, we've been working on Kona um, for the engineering side of it, whilst we've been working on Ionic. Uh, that vehicle will come in um, more than likely uh, sometime in February, March 2019. Uh, a small compact SUV. We've currently got Kona with uh, front-wheel drive petrol and all-wheel drive uh, turbo petrol, but having the vehicle available for a zero-emission engine, uh, so a zero-emission drivetrain, is a really positive move and, and something we're looking forward to. I've uh, been testing the car for, for quite a while now and it's um, it's a really great drivetrain.
1: Yes, it's been getting some great reports. Just one uh, final couple of questions, just really about the future. Your, your title is the, uh, you're the Manager of Future Mobility. Where are we heading and how quickly are we heading to wherever it is? You know, are we talking five or ten years? Are we talking a different shape of vehicles, a different style of vehicles? Are we talking autonomous vehicles? What what, what are you expecting to see?
0: In Australia, it's difficult to say, but we know from what's happening around the world with vehicle emission regulations cutting in uh, hard, uh, and we know that countries are banning the sale of internal combustion engines from 2025 onwards, if manufacturers didn't start planning 10 to 15 years ago what we will be selling in the next 10 to 15 years, they probably won't be in business in the future. So smart manufacturers have been working on a number of different low and zero emission drivetrains to make sure they meet the emission regulations around the world. We don't have them in Australia yet. We, we believe it's coming. We're working hard. I'm just driving back from Canberra now after some discussions with um, various departments and, and politicians uh, over the last few days, and we're confident they'll come in Australia. Um, The exact timing for that, I'm not sure, but that's really going to drive the take up of low and zero emission vehicles. From an industry perspective, we just want to see a line on the sand where we know where we can start planning. From a Hyundai perspective, we're doing that now. We're not waiting for a decision from government. We're going to go through and we're going to um, start introducing low and zero emission vehicles now. And with those vehicles comes varying levels of autonomous technology.
1: It's going to be fascinating to see. Look, Scott, I know you're very busy and um, and on a tight timetable, so I do appreciate you
0: joining us on The Driven Podcast today. Thank you very much. Looking forward to chatting again. Thank you. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by ZeroMo, the non-profit initiative that supports battery electric alternatives for lawn and gardening maintenance. ZeroMo helps transition to cleaner and quieter garden power tools and electric vehicles powered by 100% renewable energy. Visit zeromo.com.au and find out how you can make the switch to zero emission, petrol-free lawn and garden maintenance.